1: Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yeah, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hi. We got the show's namesake on assignment. BJ Shea's doing something else. Like we said, probably still playing board games. Yeah, probably. And running the boards is Joey D. Hello, whoa, 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 whoa. On today's show, we will talk about... RPGs, those role-playing games with new shows, some competitive esports television shows hosted by a familiar face, probably that more, and of course the geek sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us?
2: Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's gonna have our blogs podcast and Rev said it. More, more! Or just, you know, search for BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, radio.com, and iTunes.
1: Yes, plenty of ways to get a hold of us. Uh, also, plenty of ways just to listen to us. And one of those, uh, most of those ways actually have ways to review. And uh, give us a five-star review. And if you are so kind, give us some uh, textual messages there. And uh, tell everyone why you love us. And uh, if you do so... Send us a screen grab of that, and then uh, send it to us via the various social media, different ways to get a hold of us, uh, or the email bjgeeknation at gmail.com, and uh, let us know, and I'll send you a comic book. A random Yay! comic book. <laughs> Completely random, because we've got a, uh, a long box that is full of comics that I got, uh, helping out a local Tacoma gaming store here in the Pacific Northwest, Destiny City Comics, run by a wonderful man who we'd have, we have had on previously. Ethan H.D., who is a, a, a local professional wrestler who also owns a comic book shop. He actually just had a – it was kind of interesting because in Tacoma, the uh, the uh, secondary, I guess, football squad, and I'm talking about English football, soccer Ooh. for all of you plebs out there, hmm. uh, the Tacoma Defiance. They put out an article about him, which was a really good read. So uh, check that out as well. If you just go to Real Ethan HD on Twitter, you can find it. And uh, it's a good backdrop on how much of a gigantic nerd he really is. Because, I mean, professional wrestlers, they're basically like superheroes. Pretty much.
3: (laughs) You're not wrong.
1: (laughs) Yep. So uh, we got that long box, uh, and we'll just completely send you just uh, an absolute random comic book. Let's start talking about competitive esports. What? Now we remember some of the shows out there, uh, such as King of the Nerds. Yes, which uh, with reality shows they put you in a house, they have you do some different things going on to become well crown you King of the Nerds. And with that one, it wasn't necessarily a uh, just like esports and gaming. It ran the gamut of stuff, and some just truly brilliant people, actual like rocket scientists who uh, may maybe a friend of ours. Uh, Kayla LaFrance was one who did win, who now currently works in NASA and uh, fortunate enough to be a friend of uh, our show. And uh, now there's a new one out there. This one is going to be
2: actually Ooh, starring... is it King of the Nerds cele- Celebrity uh, Edition? Oh, no, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I have my list now. Oh, really? I definitely... Joe Manganiello would have to be in it. Oh, yeah. Vin Diesel... Oh,
1: yeah, because he uh, has played D&D mm-hmm. and has dungeon mastered dun- uh, uh, D&D. And, I mean, if you look at the Fast and Furious movies, they're basically just like Dungeons and Dragons with oh, his yeah. friends.
2: Uh, Henry Cavill.
1: Oh, yep. Got him. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, all these
2: all these different people. Olivia Munn. We need you're getting all the
1: them. You're getting some of the big names here now with this yeah, one. Yeah, I
2: need some big nerds, but that's <laughs> not what the show is?
1: No. Oh. This one is going to star Will Wheaton. As the host huh. of an esports reality competition show called Game Master. According to the Hollywood Reporter, Game Master places 12 amateur aspiring esports athletes under one roof, where they will live together and compete for a $100,000 grand prize. Each week, a contestant will be sent home with the season culminating in a one-on-one battle between the two top competitors. The first season will run for 9 episodes as on an unannounced streaming service. So there's plenty of them out there that can do that. Um, and so I'm not quite sure what's going to be going on with this. And all of the people who have helped create the show will appear on a panel for the show at the South by Southwest uh, Festival next month. So we will be getting information about this as it goes along. Uh It'll be interesting to see what's going to be going on along with this because I've seen these reality shows happen before. Uh, a local person, Prodigy X, won the WCG Ultimate Gamer that happened on Sci-Fi a while back ago. And that was where I found out about the uh, just the the rock band slash guitar hero Maven, known as CG Thornton, who also just completely kicked my ass at Street Fighter. I'll just let you know. Like, there's plenty of these
3: that have been coming out here, so I'll be excited to see where this goes. Yeah, are they just competing on are you in games like esports, or are they going to like also like, maybe doing eating competition or something? I don't know.
1: And that's the thing we don't know yet because the the information hasn't come, hasn't come out yet. And they're all people who w- are aspiring eSports people. you would assume it's probably just computer games. I'm then. kind of thinking or that. Console, maybe? but like when we've seen stuff like King of the Nerds, we had some competitive gamers, but they didn't really, not all of them were set in the competitive gaming world. And I'll be honest, it's been a long time since I watched the uh, WCG Ultimate Gamer One. So I can't remember whether or not they did more than just eSports stuff. So I have to imagine they're going to do some goofy challenges that will have them maybe going out to the real world or, and
3: doing something. I mean, it's going to be an interesting look inside that industry as well because, I mean, esports are not easy. I mean, you know, they're hyper-competitive because you yeah. know, it's not like a football field where you have to get up, drive somewhere, suit up. Mm -hmm. Playing weather conditions, you know, you're at your computer. You can wake up out of your bed and immediately get on the game. Exactly. And it's one of those things where uh,
1: these people, you know, if you fancy yourself an esports gamer, and I've talked with uh, the guys with the Seattle Surge for the uh, Call of Duty League that's been uh, going on this year, uh, and. They still put in a ton of hours. You can't really casually just get into this. It's hours upon hours, and we're talking like in the double digits
3: daily yeah. to be doing this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to create an excuse not to be putting in twelve hours a day when you can <laughs> just wake up and do it.
2: And I, have a, I have a few friends that do it, and like, hey, what are you up to? Give them a call, and they're like, oh, hold on, hold on, I'm practicing. I'm in, or you know, I'm with my team. I'm doing this and that. I'm like, okay i will let you get back to work.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it is. It's a job, and you got to take it that way. And, I mean, I remember way back in the day, and BG always brings them up, only use me blades. And some of the other guys that we've had, they've had to put in, like, and some of them are, like, out there, like, going on runs and trying to keep up their, their, their stamina on that sort of end because it does actually help even though you're just sitting for a long time.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I can say just from the magic perspective, when I used to play tournaments oh, when I was call. younger, 12-hour tournaments would be, I'd be good, you know, because I had all the energy. But the, the older I got, the more I'm like, I got to keep mentally prepared. I got to be physically prepared because, the, you know, they're a grind. They're yeah. grueling.
1: Well, and even uh, they they tried to kind of uh, bring dial that back a little bit by only having like with like the big GPs that were suddenly getting just this huge boom of audiences that, uh, you know, nine rounds the first day and then, you know, everyone who's seven and two makes it and then... So so you can go for day two, that's still two days of one of the
3: most complicated games ever. Oh yeah, I remember I had to play an 11-round GP day one because it was a team event, and it was way cool. over the amount it was supposed to be, but you know, they opened it up and I, and I mean, I got home, I got up at 6.30 in the morning, I got back at midnight, and I got back up at 5 in the morning to go oh, back over there. Oh, jeez! So, I mean, like and I'm not unhappy about it, I love the game, and like most of the players that do this you know, they compete because they love the game but mm-hmm. that being said, I think it's... uh you know, undersold and underrepresented of how difficult it is to be play at any capacity where like where you're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars that high all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I mean, that's why they had to ban Adderall (laughs) because literally they're like, (laughs) we have to start drug testing the kids because. Wow. What if you actually need it? it. Well, yeah. You don't need it for, I guess, for that, but I mean, it's crazy. And the money. Because everything, right? Every time money is involved, Mm -hmm. things get a little corrupt.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, (sighs) Like, I definitely give uh, a lot of respect to
3: anybody who takes anything and they want to take it to that next level because you have to. Yeah, and especially when you're that young because they're like athletes. Mm -hmm. From high school, you kind of know whether or not you're going to be able to compete in that high of a level. And then you have to convince your parents that this is all a, a, like a thing you can do as a career, <laughs> which I know it's like the joke was like,
1: you'll never make money playing video games. First off, even back in the day, you could still go work at Nintendo in Playtest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like there's still plenty of things you could do then, but now there's so much more. And like with the boon of like Twitch and Mixer and all these different platforms that you can uh, just watch other people play. Like there are people, you know, you see someone like Ninja who's just making just a ton of of money, maybe not streaming, but endorsements and stuff like that, like real
3: professional athletes. Yep. And YouTube really sold it for the smaller gamer too, because mm-hmm. it, all of a sudden you could be getting 30 000 to 50,000 views on your, your YouTube videos. And if you post, you know, one a week. You're making money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on from the
1: uh, from the esports competition, but still on the TV show th- uh, thing going on here with RPGs. Uh, thanks to the ever increasing mainstream popularity of D anD D, especially with Five E tabletop role playing games have been just. It's been massive, and one of the big things about that are the shows that uh, follow them. Uh, I think everybody here knows about Critical Role. Uh, maybe you don't know about Harmon Quest, but the, oh yeah, yeah, it, it is, it's a big one that a lot of people who are are casual D and D fans uh, got into as well. And it was even like comedians like Brian Posehn and some of the amazing uh, uh, people that he runs with, the comedians and Dan Telfer, who runs that game. Uh, they have put out different podcasts and television shows, well, it looks like that the DC Universe has greenlit a new unscripted anthology gaming miniseries called mm-hmm. DC Universe All-Star Games, which are going to feature famous DC fans playing a variety of different games and uh, basically wishing that you could hang out with them as well. <laughs> yep. This is going to be executively produced by Fred from Scooby-Doo. What? Whom you may know as Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, yeah. And actually, I was like, what
2: was the voice actor's name? Oh, Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah,
1: actually, he's been recently on Star Wars Rebels as the role of Kanan Jarrus. uh, And so. He's living his
2: best life. He just kind of does whatever he wants at this point, right?
1: Exactly, right? And uh, and directed, like, basically, the season one is going to feature Claire Grant, Vanessa Marshall, WWE's Xavier Woods uh, as they embark on a retro adventure blending two distinct genres. Uh, Uh, Prince, uh, Sam Witwer, who can also be heard reprising his role as Darth Maul in the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and everybody else will work together on a Star Wars-inspired tabletop gaming series called Geg Wars as well, G-E-G-G, and I think that one's out already, so you can kind of see what you're going to be getting into along these lines. What this show, the DC show, is going to do is it's going to utilize the classic 80s role-playing game, DC Heroes. And the story will be featured in uh, Season 1 of All-Star Games, and is described as a nostalgic role-playing adventure. The Breakfast League, set in the same 80s eras eras as when the game was published, the five participants will role-play as a group of high schoolers stuck in Saturday detention. Ah, like the breakfast club. See what they do there? I see, I see. As they improv their way through a variety of situations familiar to fans of beloved movies from that time period, they soon discover their destinies as the world's greatest superheroes. So it's a
3: mashup of classic 80s uh, teen comedies and DC heroes. This sounds really cool. It does. Yeah. You know, all these D&D shows that come out are so much remind me of like the whose line of it is it anyways. Good call. Where like the DM is the host, Drew Carey, and then they put them in the these scenarios and they essentially go improv yourself and make it funny mm-hmm. and that's what they do and that's why I've seen a couple of episodes of *Harmon Quest and it's exactly that like yeah. all right here's where your campaign starts out and this happens what happens and then you know the pairs are like I stabbed the snake (laughs) And the person's like, I take the snake's head and stab her with it. And you're like, 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 wait, what are you
1: doing? Uh, It looks like episode one of this five-part freshman season will hit DC Universe on February 28th. So if you have that streaming service, it'll work out for you, with new episodes debuting exclusively on that digital platform every Friday. And when you're talking about, like, RPGs, it just reminds me of the fact that, I mean, I've been running a game for some friends right now uh, set in the Eberron setting, which I love because it's basically steampunk. Oh yeah, Uh, Just magic. It's age punk. and it's you're talking about yeah like you don't know what your players are going to do i've written out pages upon pages of stories of like well if they want to go this way we can figure this out or we can go this way or if they ask this question or if they do this or they do that and trying to uh, anticipate what they're going to do
3: is it's a lofty goal oh dude i feel you i mean our first campaign we met uh, a chief and his son and my friend rolled the perception check as a stealthy character and was like, Well, I noticed that uh, the chief's son is grabbing a dagger, so I stab him. And the DM was just like, uh, uh, I don't know what to do. Stop being here. so murder hobo y, guys. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, <laughs> You know, as a DM, you can never be too prepared.
1: <laughs> and that's the thing. So, no matter how much you do prepare, there's a lot of the times where. They're going to say something that is just out of left
3: field. Oh, our assassin got his arm broken. <laughs> the, the kid's son <laughs> flipped him on his back and suplexed him essentially. And sometimes you got to kind of do that. It's like in the rule of improv, there's always
1: the yes and, but sometimes as a DM, you have to go hard no. Yeah. Like, and it's not railroading someone but they're going to test your boundaries much like a little kid is testing their parents the players
3: are going to try to see what they can get away with as a DM uh, to the DM my favorite description was just imagine everyone's a kid at a bowling alley and you have the bumpers on do never (laughs) never put the bumpers down they cannot throw gutter balls but they can make sure they get down the alley exactly and
1: I mean this is another good time I mean as a DM uh, I'm getting back into that so I'm getting into that kind of groove if you're a fledgling DM, or maybe even if you're an experienced one, shoot us an email and uh, you know ask a DM. If you've got any problems that are coming up, let me know, and uh, we'll be happy to answer those, bjgeeknation at gmail.com, or any other way to uh, just follow us on uh, all the social media. Send us a message, at Fuego if you want to, on my Twitter. Plenty of ways to do that.
2: Quick aside, we were talking about the DC Universe, and yeah. I just remembered, I've been getting so many targeted ads for their <laughs> new, I don't know how new it is, but their Harley Quinn series, that is not... Not for kids. It's an animated series. Oh,
1: it is not for children. No. Kaylee
2: Cuoco and they're swearing up a storm. The, mm-hmm. the the commercials I keep getting ads for are hilarious. I think I'm gonna bite the bullet. At least do the one week trial, so I might be go. able to check out. Yeah. I might check out uh, the Freddie Prince Jr. show, and uh, I forget how many other good shows are on here they're that I want to
1: see. A, a lot of decent ones. And when we first saw this thing, we we're kind of like, nah, "Do we really care about like Titans and anything along these lines?" But I mean, they're putting I out some good. good content. I hear yeah. Titans
2: is actually good, so I, now I have to like you know put my money where my mouth is and say, "Okay, yep. I have to watch it." Well, put Doom your Patrol,
1: quote unquote, money where your mouth is with your free trial.
2: Well, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to watch Titans, Doom Patrol, and all these shows. New within, patrol looks cool. within a week.
1: Well, I mean, as the uh, resident binge watcher, I think uh, you can be up to th- yeah, You've challenged kind of. yourself now. <laughs> you <have to> start <laughs> on a Saturday and end on a Saturday so though, or I, something. Can I get
2: a week off, please?
1: Um, well, we'll Negative. see about that. Okay, fine. Um, but while you're still here, it is time for... The Geek Sheet with Vicki B. Vicki, what's going on?
2: So, I was thinking... Uh-oh. How many movies are there out there that we love? Okay but nobody, like, they weren't critically acclaimed movies. Like, nobody, they were hot garbage, but we all loved them, and everyone went to go see them. Like, for example, Suicide Squad. It made so much money, but it was a pile, especially the second half.
1: Mortal Kombat. See, (laughs) that one actually holds up. Not Mortal Kombat 2 and yeah. I am talking about the 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 one with uh gosh uh, yeah the 90s Luke yeah and I'm trying oh Christopher Lambert as Raiden, which was a terrible
3: miscast but when you're watching it, it kind of works. Pure perfection. I loved that movie, but everyone always tells me I'm an idiot for liking it. But I, I I thought it was cool, man.
1: Yeah, and I have watched it in the last year or so. I don't even know why, but I was like, all right, I guess I can watch this. And it turned out great. I loved it, and I had a great
3: time. Dude's got four hands, man. <laughs> Goro's a amazing. Goro. So,
2: I stumbled upon a list from crack.com mm-hmm. saying uh, five Hollywood bombs. is oh. that just... Awful, but that made more money than your absolute favorite movies. Okay, first one being Terminator Genesis made sixty million dollars more than Mad Max Fury Road.
1: Are wow. you serious? Yeah,
2: according to this, I but, almost swore. Yeah, and, and it was—it was probably like and it, this article is like it was probably the best film of twenty fifteen and has six Oscars to show for it, but. It's in Terminator Genesis made more money.
1: It's in my forever top three. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those movies that uh, has a very, very basic plot and hardly any dialogue, but has some of the most fantastic visuals in a movie in recent years. And And I mean, it's not a recent movie.
2: No. And the acting itself, too, with such little dialogue Mm -hmm. is fantastic.
3: Yeah. Oh, I got to go back and rewatch that. (laughs) This movie came out. I don't even recognize this movie. This Terminator sure. Genesis. Is that the one?
2: I think that's the one with uh, Amelia Clark. Yeah, it
3: is. When yeah. did this come out Where was I uh, around the same time? It came out 5 years ago.
2: Wow.
1: And it was yeah, 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 it had Amelia Clark. I remember, didn't we, we talk We to interviewed
2: her? Yeah, Amelia yeah. Clark on this don't podcast. Do you remember that? I don't no. think he was on the podcast
3: yet. I think that might have been right right before uh, I joined. All right, it. okay, yeah.
2: So, yeah, it didn't make that much money. It was labeled hot trash, but it or, I mean, it didn't make it made more money than Mad Max did, it, but oh it was God. labeled hot trash. That's yeah, what I'm trying like, to say.
1: Like seriously, like looking at the wiki real quick because usually we hit a box office mojo, but it's like it had a budget of around 160 million. And the box office pulled over four hundred million, almost four hundred and fifty million. I'm, so, I the, mean, does
2: it say what, in what countries it made all the money? Because I can't imagine it being here in the United States. It,
1: and you know, it's one of those things where it could have done uh, way better uh, overseas. Which uh, I mean, like the uh, World of Warcraft movie was not great, but it made a ton of money in like uh, overseas and in China and stuff like that
3: as well. And I
2: think that's the same with I think the Terminator movies or, or not Terminator, excuse me, the. Um Transformers movies too oh yeah
3: can I just say Rev what a compliment to give that movie a not great because (laughs) my god I didn't (laughs) see it (laughs) the the CG on it was fantastic oh yeah and that's about it if you were watching an hour and a half long Blizzard uh, animated you know cinematic that's what it was but if you're looking for plot or character development yeah. or and that sucks cuz you know, there's a
2: lot of good actors in there that I was excited to see and I because I heard it was that bad I didn't end up seeing it like Ruth Niega, I think was in it and Preacher too. Oh, oh yeah yeah yeah. So yeah. they're both in their Preacher and uh, Tulip.
1: Oh yeah and uh, Terminator Genesis made uh almost 80% of its money was done by international. Yep. So there you go. it only made nine, only made 90
3: million dollars uh domestically but it crushed you you know what I looked up was, was Arnold in the one remake with Christian Bale? And he wasn't. And then they released Genesis, and he was in that one. That was
1: Terminator Salvation,
3: which was not good either. Like, anything beyond the first two, and I haven't even watched the most recent one because of how bad all the other ones were. I heard that one wasn't so bad Well, Joe didn't
2: like it, right? You did see it.
3: Yeah, I saw it, and, like, as a standalone movie, it would have been totally fine outside of the Terminator world, but within the Terminator world, they just had, like, fudged too many things to get Arnold back in it and, mm-hmm. like, made the storylines, you know, continue. It, it just didn't, like didn't make any sense. like a drapery salesman or something stupid. Yeah. He, I'm sorry. I was just like, once I heard that, I was like, ah, clap, I'm out. And he has emotions. It's like, you don't need any of it. That's not what made Terminator <laughs> cool. He's a killing machine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, okay, so next on this list, and one we kind of talked about earlier, Suicide Squad made more money than Logan.
1: Mm. Oh, you get out.
2: I, I believe it. What was the better movie? Obviously Logan like a hundredfold, but Suicide Squad, you had everyone dressed as oh Harley God. Quinn that year. You had, you know, everyone clamoring to go see it and complaining about the Joker when Logan is probably like up there too on one of my favorite movies, but I have to be in the right mood to watch it cuz I just I ball like a baby. Like it was such <laughs> a
1: good movie. And my <laughs> yeah, girl was did. in it, my yeah, girl. Yeah, cuz X23 is in mm. it as well. And we can't blame the uh, foreign market on this one cuz it was pretty even.
2: Yeah, apparently, like according to this article, at least, I'm sure that one's probably more updated than the one that you have. Mm -hmm. It says that it made uh, 226 million domestically, which didn't even suppress X Men The Last Stand. So I think a lot of people didn't really look at this movie they're like oh it's just another Wolverine movie but it looks really sad in the trailers and it looks old so I think a lot of people were put off by that
1: and it's I I would want to say because it's rated R and that makes sense because Suicide Squad was actually Mm PG-13 even though I would not let any uh, any kids go watch that movie but (laughs) mostly just because it's trash and I smart. <laughs> and it's everyone's like, well, the first half is all right. And I was like, that's great. You know what I've watched? The second half. Because I was stuck in a hotel room waiting for the next episode of Game of Thrones. Back when Game of Thrones was good. And, well, yeah.
2: Uh, and funny enough, actually, Suicide Squad nearly beat Batman v Superman at the box office. Well, but it did beat Justice League, Man of Steel, and even Batman Begins after adjusting for inflation. Man. That's crazy. I don't like that. Number three. The beloved Spider-Man Homecoming still didn't manage to beat Spider-Man 3.
1: Oh, and here's the deal with Spider-Man 3. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: Let me tell you kids, back before
1: Tom Holland. Yeah, (laughs) and this is like, even BJ jokes about this, like, Sam Raimi did not want to have Venom in the movie, Mm -hmm. and the producers or the suits or whatever in Hollywood says you need to have Venom in the movie, so... I kind of feel like Sam just gave up at that point and was like, well, fine, we're going to have this. So we're just going to have like emo Toby McGuire go out there and be ultra emo Peter Parker and have the weirdest
3: like dance scene. And it might be one of the greatest things to ever happen in movie history. It was such a convoluted mess where you're like, why is Venom turning this guy into some like skinny jeans emo punk rocker? <laughs> and that's
2: not, I mean,
3: and I hate the arguments where they're like,
1: it's not like the comic book character, but I mean, come on, like you didn't need to go there with that.
2: Uh, so fun fact about Sam Raimi, by the way, mm-hmm. he is rumored to be directing the new Doctor Strange.
1: Yeah. Good. I hope, I hope that it's cause it was rumored to be like a a, a street up horror movie. And I think that's the reason why the director, the original director, broke off from that because it's turning out to not oh, so be that case. Scott Derrickson. Yeah, and I'm hoping that it turns a little more horror comedy.
2: It, well, it is. It's it's uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and if I and I'm not too uh, up to date on my horror knowledge, Sam Raimi did all the Ash movies, right?
1: Yes, the Evil Dead mm-hmm. movies. He did the wonderfully uh, brutal Drag Me to Hell, which if you don't like puking scenes, there's. Probably Probably one that you might want to miss on that one. But it is uh, just the horror comedy genre is really where he does his best. So I kind of hope they kind of keep some of that. And I'm way more excited to hear him be in something like this.
2: And it makes sense. Like one horror comedy. It's the multiverse of madness. A lot of people suspect that uh, we're going to be seeing Scarlet Witch in this. Yes. Uh, especially since we're going to be getting the WandaVision situation and just by I'm watching really the excited trailers. For that. So
1: excited for that. If
2: you haven't checked out the trailers or listened to our episode, I think it was a few episodes back, we talked about WandaVision uh in more depth and what we think and what we've seen so far. I think we're going to see that first and then that's going to go into Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm.
1: And on Wednesday, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, what Loki that show could possibly mm. bring to uh, the uh, MCU as well.
2: Uh, quickly going down this list, apparently the Pirates of the Caribbean movies outperformed most Pixar releases. Wow! Well,
1: and that was the thing—like that first movie, amazing, based, based on a ride. I recently just watched this uh, over uh, the last weekend, and you know what? It's ridiculous. It's silly, but it it takes everything with just like uh, a little bit of a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. They understand what it came from, and when you're watching this movie, you realize that it was just one that was. Uh, supposed to be self contained, and then you get it some, blew up. You,
2: you got somebody like Johnny Depp who completely took over this character and made this franchise. Uh, and then they
1: turned it into like 800 more movies.
2: No, yeah. So the first movie was <laughs> great. The second movie was okay because it was basically a two part or two and three. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay, and cliffhanger. Yeah. And then you go into three. And then after that, I mean, the fourth one, I mean, the fifth one, both. I watched the and, first
1: and the third and had a great time with either of those. Yeah, like, I, I didn't think I needed the second one to lead into that. And apparently I didn't because it worked out fine nope, and I had you, a lot of fun watching it. Yeah,
2: you're totally fine. The fourth one was okay. The fifth one, you don't really need to see. But I went to see it in theaters with my dad because he really fell in love with parts of the Caribbean after he had Achilles surgery. Uh, and so he, that was the only thing playing on like stars or something for a whole month while he was just bedridden and he fell in love with it. And I always love pirates. So my dad and I would always go see all the pirates movies and we have them all. um, it was not a good movie, but I had fun while at the movie because uh-huh. I was with my dad. So it was like and you a weird, know what you're
1: getting into. It yeah,
2: it's like going to see uh, um, any of the uh, Fast and Furious movies. I was
3: about to say Fast Nine, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: it's like you're not in it because it's going to be some great no work of art. But not it is, at all. It's going to be visually entertaining. There's going to be stuff going on, and you're going to be entertained for two hours. Yeah, basically, and then you're going home. It's yeah, nothing basically, to write it's home like about. a
1: two-hour maximum shoot.
2: Pretty much, uh, but yeah, all, pretty much all their movies cranked out a crap ton of money. Mm-hmm. So their fifth movie, Dead Man Tell No Tales, the one I was talking about, yeah. cranked out nearly eight hundred million worldwide.
3: Okay, so yeah, that I,
2: it's I think partially to do with Johnny Depp, or mostly to do with Johnny, Johnny
3: Depp Johnny Depp and pirates. Like so there are like niche categories of movies that do very well because there just aren't that many of them. Like, yeah. what other pirate movies can you really name?
2: Th- yeah, there aren't a whole lot of good ones. And even yeah, the shows like Black Sales came out and it was a good show, but it wasn't like I think everyone thought that would be like the game of like pirate version of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it wasn't that like mass, massly accepted and loved.
1: And uh, this one also was the international guys doing almost 80 percent on their oh, own yeah. on that one. As I well. believe it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone around the world loves Johnny Depp. All right. So the last one. How do you guys feel about one book being turned into three movies. The Hobbit. The Hobbit. What did you guys mm-hmm. think I knew of what the trilogy? About
1: Here's the deal. <laughs> I, so box. I kind <laughs> of loved The Hobbit, not because of uh, the the source material, how they handled the source material, or the fact that it turned into three more movies, and the fact that they took major liberties with like different characters getting mm-hmm. at, like in relationships and stuff Elf-Elf like that. Stories. You know, yeah. Right. This was. Uh, kind of along the, si- the lines of a fast and furious high fantasy. So when they're like going down the river and they're trying to escape from the, I think it's from the dwarves, and they're just like, like Legolas is just like using his arrows to shoot everything and is just like totally badass. And I'm like, this is a DD group where everybody rolls a critical hit for every single roll. Yep. Like everything works out perfect, and they're doing all these awesome things. Did it need to go out to three movies? Absolutely not. But I still had fun with every single one of them. And then Ben-er- Benedict Cumberbatch—almost said Bernadette
2: Cumberbund—him
1: <laughs> as Smaug was amazing, and I loved it. Smaug was dope. Yeah. Right. Like how many, how often you—the same thing with pirates. How often you get to see dragons on the screen? Not, Not that often. often. <laughs> no,
2: even a Game of Thrones, you only got them every now and then. Yeah, right. Uh, but apparently, the Hobbit movies have stomped all over the MCU. Oh, uh, what? So apparently, like I'm reading here, uh, the Battle of the Five Armies, which they call a weird, sad blend of CGI and copious winks Whoa. at people who know what happened in The Fellowship of the Ring, earned <laughs> $956 million worldwide. Yep. And it did the oh my worst. God, it, did. it did the worst of the Hobbit films, and yet it would rank around seventh when compared to the MCU.
1: Each one of these Hobbit movies made almost a
3: billion dollars. Yes, with a B, people. Well, so it's so smart. They market to both. Age groups, right? Young and old. Mm-hmm. You hit them all. They really cause, do. Because the young kids love it, right? you like dwarves bobbing in barrels going down a river is amazing. And then the old of us, you know, old generation like us, we're like, I love fantasy. Give me anything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it, again, the international audience <laughs> crushed really crushed it on these yeah. ones.
2: And the, if you're wondering why Amazon would spend half a billion dollars on the prequels, Now we know why. Yeah,
1: exactly. They're going to make their money Money, money, and then some. There's a lot of movies out there that uh, people are like, why? Why? But yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things that we've talked about plenty of times where, you know, it might not be for you, but it's probably for somebody and worldwide, (laughs) a lot of
2: people. (laughs) Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.